I'm Summer Nilsson, author of The Ludor Tales, a fantasy adventure series including The Land of the Pines and The Land of the Strays, which targets today's youth with inclusive content to support social acceptance and mental health. I'm here to engage youth in real conversations about self-worth, kindness, and what connection means in a modern world. And so today, I want to welcome Raya. Raya, would you mind, first let's start with you telling us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you're into. Okay, I was born in New York. Uh, we moved around a lot, so I moved to Germany, I've been to Texas back and forth, I've been to Oklahoma. You've been all over. <laughs> My dad was in the military. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And you know, I, I dedicated the land of the strays to the military, yeah. so that's pretty awesome. How long have you been here at East Texas? Since the first grade. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Now, what grade are you in? I'm in eighth grade. You're in eighth grade. Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes. Uh, I have a younger brother named Zayden, a little sister named Gemma, an older brother named Zira, and a stepbrother too, Brady. And I, my oldest sister, Shayla, she passed away when she was 12. My goodness. So you've had a big family. Yes. And where are you the oldest or are you in the middle? I was I used to be in the middle and now I'm like the oldest girl, second oldest. Okay. Well, that's a lot of responsibility in and of itself. Yeah. So to just be a leader and set examples. Part of what we're here today to talk about, um, obviously, is the series. Yeah. And it starts with The Land of the Pines, and then in the sequel is The Land of the Strays. And as I mentioned, it follows Grey the Kitten on her journey to discover who she is, to discover that she's got this magical voice. And I'm going to get into all of that, but first I would love to hear your thoughts. We can start with The Land of the Pines. What character do you like the most? Oh, I think I have two favorites. Okay. I'm definitely going to take a turn with this. I really like the Black Widow and Miss J. And Miss J. Miss J, the boss. Uh, the total boss bird, right? Like, I just love everything about her being such an empowered, empowered female and boss bird. And it's funny, when I was writing about her nest and the patches and all of that that are in there, I was like, oh, you know, I can totally see this. Like, I can just see all the good vibes, all the posters and stickers and things that you would decorate it with. What did you like about each of them? So, Miss Jerry, I really like, she reminded me a little bit of my oldest sister past. Okay. She always helped others. She put others, sometimes she would put others before herself. She was very kind and she was loyal to the people she cared about. And she took responsibility. She taught so many responsibilities to take care of Gray. And she was just kind of like an overall mother to the uh, farm, to the whole community, right? Yeah, everyone knew that on her watch, nothing was going to happen. Obvious. And that she, as the guardian, would make sure that Gray was in the right place, that she met the right people, the right animals. So I love that. And I love that that resonated with you, with your own sister, and that sense of loyalty. And uh... so with the Black Widow, what did you like about her? So she reminded me a lot of myself, actually. That's pretty cool. So I like how when she was first born and she walked into the jam bar, uh, she walked in and I like how at first she was trying to be herself. She was confused. She was a little lost. She just wanted a home. That was her first thing was she wanted a home. That's right. So she walked into the jam bar and that is, she was hungry. So she went over to the, the jam stuff and that's when she met the hourglass, which 
as I learned later on, was her ego. That's so correct. And at first she started out being, trying to be herself, but everybody was afraid of her just because of her history, like because of Black Widow's history. Stereotype. Yeah, the stereotype. So she started out trying to be herself and everybody stereotyped her to be this bad animal. So she decided to let the outglass take over. Once they kicked her out of the barn because they decided they didn't want her there because she thought she was helping with taking care of the ants and the roaches and all that. So she thought she was helping while everybody else feared her because of it. And instead of communicating it, they just scared her off. And that's when she decided to let the hourglass. So she did some really mean, hurtful things. And later on in the book, she ends up finding her voice thanks to Grey the cat. So thanks to Grey, they banish the hourglass and they find out that the widow is really just a hurt soul. I mean, you... You could have written the book yourself. Like, you just said everything exactly that I was trying to communicate. I am so proud of you and honored that you provided that. Yeah, she, uh, at the end of the day, we're all alike, right? We're all the same, and we're all just trying to survive and make it. And the biggest thing was with Dawn the Black Widow, it was understanding that. It was understanding and having empathy, which Gray had to demonstrate in the end, and set the example of which... We're both just, we're on the same parallel path. We're all trying to get to the same place. And if I can use my voice to help show that the Black Widow is no different than me, we're trying to have a home, we're trying to figure out who we are and what that means, and use her voice to speak up on someone else's behalf. For me, you know, with the ego and the mind chatter, especially in today's day and age, I wanted to have a real conversation with people like you, where social media, where Everything's happening constantly, right? And so it's a different generation, different time than when I grew up. And so with mind chatter and with false narrative, I was wanting to basically plant the seed and say, hey, what's it like? Like, what's it like now where you really can't turn it off? If you're posting, there's always a comment. There's always something that's happening. And I wanted that Black Widow to be representative of learning the skill set to silence it. So I know you also had some questions for me about the book, and I want to make sure I answer all of them. Okay, so first I'm going to start off with, so on page nine, gosh, I read that. (laughs) So I believe Gray was talking to her siblings. She says two was company and three was a crowd. I wanted to talk to you about that because I felt like that really stuck with me because that's how I used to live day to day. What, like, influenced you to put that in there? (laughs) You know what? That in particular, I have certainly had times in my life where I felt like an outsider, where I was struggling to fit in or struggling to know my place in a situation. I personally suffered from imposter syndrome and uh, social anxiety growing up. And it's not something that anyone ever knew about me, right? They just assumed that... I was fairly confident in whatever room I entered, and the reality was that I had to talk myself into going into parties or to going into something I would have to say, you know, I'd hear that narrative in my head, oh, you're not good enough, or why are you here? Why? What, what is that? And I had to 
train myself and tell myself, nope, you're going to make it. They're going to like you. It's going to be okay. And that really carried over even into my early career where I had the good fortune of getting to work in New York a lot. And I'd show up in New York and I'd be sitting in a conference room and everybody would be, I'd feel like they were smarter than me or they had a better education than me or whatever it may be. And it would cause me to have like heart palpitations, right? To just sit here and, and, and get in my own head. It was one of those things where I just really wanted to find any ways throughout the book to say, three is not a crowd. You need to make yourself feel part of the room, part of this, and to not isolate. Because sometimes really what's going on is you're the one distancing yourself. 100%. And you, you blame everybody else. You're like, they're not including me, but really. Oh, it's you. Yes, it's you because you're in your own mind and you're telling yourself, oh, I'm not good enough. So they're not going to talk to me. And then you aren't the one talking. You're the one that's holding back when in reality, if you could just instead have a positive dialogue with yourself and say, not only are you good enough, you're going to contribute something. And they're going to like what you have to say because you know who you are. And even if they don't, you have to be able to have enough self-confidence to say it's not the end of the world. That's right. That's right. You are the first person that's asked me that question. Uh, yeah, you are. And I'm, uh, that's a terrific question. I have a few pages. <laughs> Let's have them. Keep going. Okay. One quote I really like is, okay, this one's a little longer. It was on page 24. It says, look, we're all in this together. Everyone contributes to this life in their own special way. The flowers bloom for everyone's success. We know that how we speak to one another makes all the difference. And the flowers said that. And I guess... Really, I just wanted to say, like, that kind of spoke to me because it was like, it talks about how you have to look at the brightest side sometimes. It talks about how you have to look at, like, the flowers bloom for everybody else's success, but it also blooms for yours. You have to recognize that, like, there is happiness. You have to take in and consider everything that's going on. And it says how we speak to one another makes all the difference and that is so true it's like how do you made gray her voice is her superpower yes and so how we speak to one another can make all the difference so if we say something negative like i still hear the thoughts in my head from what people would tell me that i wasn't enough my mind replaced those words that hey you're not good enough the you're never gonna be enough they don't like you none of them want you around like you'd be better off gone and it's really hard because it's like when you've been told that so much you believe it so i guess i just want to know like if there was one thing you could change like one thing you've said that you wish you could take back what would you say instead i literally try to lead every day now by going above and beyond to tell someone that they look good yeah like i, I every day if i get an opportunity to say to somebody you're great. You're a rock star. Wow, you did really well. Like, I learned something from you. I take that opportunity to do it now, but I didn't back then. Yeah. And I think that's, if there's something I would change, it's not so much that I remember making a negative statement about someone in particular. It's that I know I suffered so much social anxiety and it was in my own head and as a result of that, I didn't lead by telling other people they were good because I didn't even believe I was, right? Yeah. And I think if I could go back and I could have conversations with both myself and other people back then, I would 
make a point of telling myself how good I am and make a point of telling them how good they are. So I think, you know, part of this in you being so forthcoming, which is such an honest place to be, it's really a privilege that you shared that with me, but it really speaks to hopefully you seeing that you really are pretty amazing to have that level of self-awareness and that that self-awareness, you're able to go just about anywhere and do just about anything because you know, you know what that chatter sounds like. Yeah. And you've learned that you can silence it, that that chatter doesn't actually exist. It's just you having a conversation and a narrative with yourself that isn't even real. You telling yourself that you're not good enough. How about instead saying, you know what, you're the best there is, so let's go prove it. That conversation with Miss J in that particular chapter was, was intended to do two things. It was intended to say, you know, we're all the same, so let's talk to everybody the same. It was intended to be a conversation about including everyone, about being inclusive, about, you know, let's, if we can just all understand that we all contribute together as a collective society, and we talk to each other that way and we embrace each other that way, how much more impact can we make, right? It's not just because, yes, words against other people, it can make such a difference. It can make or break someone, kind of like you announced in the book several times. Yeah. But they can also make or break you. 100%. In this book, I had been in a healing stage recently. I had gone through something really traumatic and... I lost myself for a little while, and reading this book, it really helped me find myself where, because it was like some of these characters really spoke to me, and it was like, maybe I'm not the only one, you know? It was like, reading this, I was like, see, I can contribute to this character and this character and this character, all in different ways, but in the end, it all makes up who I am, and it took a lot for me to find my voice personally, because, like you said, you were, I have kind of social anxiety. Not a lot of people realize it because sometimes I can be like the life of the party, but then other times it's like I can't talk. Yeah, for years, I would walk into a space and kind of flip a switch and perform, right? And it's not that I wasn't being authentic. It's just I was so in my own head and so afraid that I would flip a switch and just be very outgoing you know, engage with people. And then I would leave and honestly not even remember what I had said because I was just trying to get out of my own head. And I had to teach myself how to overcome that and how to overcome social anxiety at all. I know what that means. Can I talk about the second book? Yes, I had a few things. So what I really loved is how when Ray first got introduced to her new family, like when Anne picked her up and stuff, and she brought her to the uh, complex. What I really loved is what is that great? She was kind of nervous, but she didn't let that get the best of her. I really liked how she walked in and was immediately like, she noticed Blaze might not be the one for her, but she immediately was like, Lane. Lane is kind, he's sweet, he's funny, and he was welcoming. And she immediately clicked with him, I feel like. I also, another approach, I haven't finished the book, but another approach I really like is how when Lane's trying to tell her that the leash and the stray community, they don't talk to each other, they don't communicate because leash are the higher up. So I like how in one part you say, just because you're the higher up doesn't mean you have to have a high word. That's right. 
And it was like, yeah, it's kind of like there are some school people that have more opportunities than other. And some people who just haven't been able to find, like, who can't do that because they're struggling. And I like how Gray just, she's like, no, you can't tell me who I can and can't talk to. Like, that's rude. Like, I have had family from a Trosis life. And while they may not have chosen, they lost someone. They lost something. Like, we should be there for him. And you would know that if you bothered to talk to them or if you bothered to look behind you. That really spoke to me because it was like, there are some people that I wish would just look behind them and see us. Absolutely. It was 100% intended to say, we all have to look at each other. Yeah. We all have to see each other. And regardless of what your opportunities were or have been, we are all on a parallel path together, right? We're all striving for the same thing. And just because maybe you were, your family has more or maybe it has less, maybe you know, you have more confidence, you don't, regardless of what any of the stereotypes and circumstances may be, we have an obligation to see each other and to listen to each other and to have empathy for the fact that until I know what it took for you to get here, I can't judge you. None of us should be judging one another at all because whatever experiences we've had make who we are. Yeah. And you have been through some pretty traumatic and pretty big things. And so however you react to a situation, that's going to be about what you're bringing to it, right? The experiences you've had and what you've had to overcome. And I wanted to impart that we have to continue to see each other and to see past whatever we have or don't have and to have but a conversation. Character, you know, who we are. Like, right. Because your character is what defines you. Yes, that was one of the quotes. That I like. Yeah, that's what defines you and that's what says who you are. And it's got nothing to do with what you do or don't have. It's got nothing to do with whether you're a leash or a stray. It's about who you are and owning that and that being what defines you and what you get to decide. Those are terms that you get to set with yourself. And so whatever challenges each of us have, whatever obstacles we have in life, if we're able to unite and come together and see past that, have an exchange where it's, I, I'm empathetic for whatever you've overcome and what you've been through. And if we're able to have that conversation and relate to each other and know we're all just trying to get a home and have some stability and be the best and most authentic version of ourselves then how much cooler is that? How much cooler is it to lead with that level of kindness and that be the footprint, that be what's out there that's permanent, right? Yeah. Therein lies the entire essence of the series, that complex conversation that, you know, on paper is animals, on paper it's fun, but when you really dive into it, it's such a bigger conversation about everything you've just said. Yeah, that's where I really like, there's a few things I really like about these books together is how they can either be for older kids because there's a lot of hidden messages so the older kids can really get into it but it's also younger kids can read it because then it's about talking animals for sure it does kind of teach you a few things and it's like i wish there were books like this around growing up like yeah. more books depending upon your experience and your age that a younger reader would engage with the animals and it would allow a conversation and that the older you get, 
as a teenager, as even as an adult, that that subtext, that's what's going to actually have a real conversation. And it's going to open it up to, oh, we've got a black widow here and that's fun for a kid, right? But the real conversation is that that black widow is about every insecurity and every chatter and every voice in your head that you're just trying to silence. It's every negative thing. Every negative thing you've tried to bring you down, telling you you can't do this, you can't do that, they're not going to like you. Based upon what you said in the very beginning, which is that you're just trying to survive. You thought you were giving something and contributing. And because of other people's preconceived notions, they took that as a stereotypical negative. When in reality, if you don't start it that way. If you start it with, we're all the same and we're all just here to plant some roots, what a better society, what a better place we're starting at. Yeah. So I'm going to say my favorite character and then I want to ask you either. <laughs> so my favorite character in the second book was Blaze so far. Okay. And because at first I didn't really like her because it was like, she was rude and she was she acted like she was better than everyone. But then once you really get to read it, and you start to learn more about her character. It talks about how she's really struggling, how she just wants to be loved and she's afraid she's going to be abandoned. I've struggled with abandonment issues. So for me personally, it, like she stays with Stan at all times. She's afraid that Grace going to take over and stuff. Steal her spot. Yeah. And Blaze, I feel like you have to get to know her. And there was a time where Lay was talking to Crowd about uh Greg trying to see like is she okay like what's going on with her and Kyle's like yeah she just needs a home she just needs a family but also look out for Blaze and Lane just kind of rolls his eyes he's like okay whatever because it's like he's tried but she's stubborn because she's afraid that if she opens up she's gonna get abandoned again and that's something that really spoke to me and yeah and that perpetual fear of being abandoned or being replaced and the fact that Lane didn't even really think about Blaze. Yeah. I happen to love Blaze's character for that reason. I loved writing it because it starts off in such a very specific place, right? Where Blaze literally doesn't even say anything to Gray and she just walks away. And when you realize, it's kind of like what I was saying, right? That I would go to a party and not talk to anybody and then wonder why nobody was talking to me. <laughs> it's because I'm not putting myself out there because I'm actually terrified. That's kind of the root of Blaze is that you don't realize she's quite good and she's quite honest and just afraid of losing her spot and that we all kind of have that level of fear in us. And if we're if we understand that, then it changes changes how you approach anything, especially each other. I really like how at one point she talks about how she never meant to say anything mean. She doesn't like to say negative things about other people. And there was a time that I think it was Meg kind of made it sound like she was starting rumors about uh, Gray and talking bad about her. And the whole time she was like, I, she was, she regretted it because she didn't actually do it, but she regretted how Meg said it. Like she wished she could take back what they wish she could take it back, wish she could change that moment and explain that that's not what she yeah. intended. And there was no opportunity. She didn't have the chance to do that. And it's kind of like, you know, it kind of goes back to the root of what I'm, I'm wanting to talk to you guys about, which is that those situations, if you use your voice and you take that moment to say, this isn't actually what this is about, right? It's just a level of kindness and it's a level of being present. My favorite character, let's see, in The Land of the Pines, I happen to love Biggie. 
baby. Oh, I love this. I'm feeling the film on the bottom up. I, you know, I love Biggie. I love that he had a sense of who he was and that he was so much more than that. Yeah, without his antlers. He had an opportunity to actually become this great, great person and character. And he might not have even had the chance to be that had all of the other things not happened. And it really was just, for me, writing Biggie, it was very much about things happen in our lives. And at the time, they may not make sense. There's a bigger picture. There's a higher power and a, a bigger reason that things happen. And if you have faith in that, you're going to be in a better place. You go through some things. There's going to be the highs and lows. I've been through them. You've been through them. But if you have faith in the fact that it's going to work out and you allow it to, that Biggie ended up in such a better place with Station 2. But And then in the strays, there's so many in the strays that I just happen to love. <laughs> with the strays, I mean, I... Gosh, I'll be honest with you. I loved writing Olivia because she's fun. And I had fun with Olivia. I loved Davey so much. Davey's the, Davey the stray. He's the head of the strays. I loved that he hits rock bottom and uses that to build a foundation that can't be broken. Uh, who's the one with the sunglasses? Mike, Mikey. Everybody loves Mike. Oh, yes. Mikey's all. I mean, I love a cat rocking a pair of sunglasses and a skulker. You know, I mean, he sat up just to see him at the picture. He's like, call this Anna, but it's iconic. Absolutely. And the fact that he literally digs through trash and has to see, find treasure in trash. That It's not that he has the world that is in his hands. He goes and he sees things differently and he sees how cool it could be. Yeah, because he's a leech pet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he still goes through and he sees the better and the things other people throw. What's exactly right? Someone else throws it away and he's like, oh. Oh, wait, but they're not seeing. But they're not seeing for how how cool this is. So I'm gonna make it that cool. God. Okay. So we have talked about the character. Are there any other quotes or anything else that you wanted to ask me about? Let me look and see at the quotes. I have a lot. I mean, I'm so I'm so in awe. And you are such an example of what this series was intended to do and the real conversation it was intended to stir. Up. Oh, I'm actually gonna skip the quotes. I do have a question though. Okay. Out of the two books, and I'm sure, like you said, you have two more coming. What is the biggest message you have? Uh, like if you had to choose just one message, what's the biggest one you wish you could tell, like make stand out the most? It's so hard to choose one. And I would say on any given day, this answer would probably be different. So right now, today, in the second book, one of the most impactful statements I make is to carry only what continues to serve you. And what I mean by that is that there are going to be lots of experiences that you have and you can carry the things that happened that were positive or negative. If you carry the things that are positive with you, if you learn from them, if you learn who you are and you, you learn how your kindness, how your experiences with other people, what that can be, who you can become, and you carry forth the positive in that, that's truly where you're free to be and become anything you wish to become. And it's such a better opportunity and such a bigger theme than carrying the anger or carrying the disappointment. We have an opportunity to really carry 
in us those positives and to carry in us the life lessons and to use that for your benefit, to use that for others, to lead with kindness and all those things. But when I wrote the words, carry only what continues to serve you, I was writing it as much for me as I was for you. So coming out of the strays, having finished that book, that's probably the one that resonates most with me at the stage of life I'm in. When I started the series, it was really about your identity is defined by your character. Yeah. That's the number one thing that I really wanted above all else. That was the first quote I highlighted too, was your, char- yeah. your identity is defined by your character. That's probably the thing that if uh, throughout the series that I will continue to come back to you. Just because I want it to be about your self-worth, I want it to be about your identity, but I want the word identity to be about who you are and the fact that you get to decide that. Yeah. And you get to decide within that where you want to go and what you want to become. Yes. So on that note, this has been probably one of the coolest conversations I've had. I really set out to have a real conversation with your generation. It was intended to better understand as we're living on our phones and we're living in real life, what that balance is and how we engage on that on a daily basis. You have opened this conversation up to be so many things and such a wealth of feedback. So I thank you. I thank you for uh, every bit of it. I can't wait for you to read books three and four. <laughs> I'm just grateful I got to you today. And I read the back of your book. You're like a CEO and you built this business from the ground. And it's like, it really inspires me because it's like for someone to come from this small of a town and be this big of an inspiration worldwide, it's thank you.